Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In this episode, getting away from crowded parks this year. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Fine Art Photography Podcast. I've been looking at National Park Visitor stats and thinking about where I'd like to visit this year. Did you know that the Great Smoky Mountains got 12 million visitors in 2020, the latest statistics I could find? 12 million people. That's the population of one and a half New York cities converging on those slow winding mountain roads in those small parking lots, on the trails, and in the camping spaces. If you've ever driven around the loop at Cades Cove, you know what I'm talking about. It's a natural wonder viewed from the perspective of bumper-to-bumper traffic. Yellowstone had 3.8 million people. Zion had 3.6 million. I think a lot of landscape photographers are solitary characters who go out to photograph nature because they want to be away from people. So why do so many insist on going to crowded super parks every year? I know you've seen those pictures of Mesa Arch with photographers stacked three rows deep and elbow to elbow waiting for the sunrise to make it glow orange. Several of the most popular spots have instituted lottery systems for gaining access to sites too popular for the available amount of access. When I went to Delicate Arch a few years ago, I was unable to make a decent photograph of it because there were always people in the shot. People walking under it, people posing next to it, people milling about. And that's great. People were out enjoying the scenic wonders of America. It's their part too, but I learned my lesson that day. I follow the postings from the National Park Service, and the most popular parks are filled with human-created drama. There are crimes. There are car accidents. In fact, did you know that 31% of unintentional deaths in the U.S. National Park System are a result of car accidents? There are people falling off mountains, getting attacked by wild animals because they got too close with their iPhone to take a video. If you're a particularly social variety of photographer, and enjoy the camaraderie of shooting with your tripod legs, touching those of the person next to you, this episode is not for you. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with going to the most popular and crowded parks. There's a reason they're popular. But my point in this episode is that those crowds bring certain problems that may impact your enjoyment of the experience, and I'll suggest some alternatives. First, a few more statistics. The top 10 most visited national parks in 2020 were Number one, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park in Tennessee and North Carolina. As I said before, 12.1 million people. Number two is Yellowstone in Wyoming, Idaho, and Montana, 3.8 million. Number three, Zion in Utah, 3.6 million. Number four, Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado, 3.3 million. Number five, Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming, 3.3 million. Number six, Grand Canyon National Park in Arizona, 2.9 million. Here's a surprising one to me. Number seven, Cuyahoga Valley National Park in Ohio, 2.8 million. Number eight, Acadia National Park in Maine, 2.7 million. Number nine, Olympic National Park in Washington State, 2.5 million. And number 10, Joshua Tree National Park in California, 2.4 million. I have to say I'm a little surprised that I didn't find Yosemite on that list. Now these are the top 10 parks that are not necessarily national parks, although they could be. Number one, Blue Ridge Parkway, 14.1 million. Number two, the Golden Gate National Recreation Area, 12.4 million. 
Number three, again, the Great Smoky Mountains. Number four, Gateway National Recreation Area, 8.4 million people. Number five, Lake Mead National Recreation Area, 8 million. Number six, George Washington Memorial Parkway, 6.2 million. Number seven, the Natchez Trace Parkway, 6.1 million. Number eight, Chesapeake and Ohio Canal National Historical Park, 4.9 million. Number nine, Cape Cod National Seashore, 4.1 million. And number 10, the Delaware Water Gap National Recreation Area, 4.1 million. Now, if you aren't familiar with the parkways, let me describe the Natchez Trace Parkway, which I've traveled numerous times. The Natchez Trace Parkway is a two-lane highway in the surrounding areas that runs 444 miles from Nashville, Tennessee to Natchez, Mississippi. The entire stretch is designated a part of the park system. It's maxed out at 55 miles an hour and is designed to be a leisurely drive along a rural highway surrounded by trees and countryside. There are no billboards, no gas stations, no fast food joints, or other development on the parkway, but there are periodic exits if you need to go off for those services. Along the way, you'll see historic sites where you can stop for a visit if you want to. An example of this is a place in Tennessee where Meriwether Lewis of the famed Lewis and Clark Expedition was killed in a tavern under mysterious circumstances. There's a monument there on his uh, gravesite, and there's a reconstructed log cabin representing the tavern. You can also see 200-year-old houses, take nature walks along murmuring streams, visit ancient Indian mounds, and a whole lot more. The parkway runs roughly alongside the old Natchez Trace, which is one of America's first westward thoroughfares. It still exists in places as a deep rut into the forest floor, cut by generations of people on foot, people on carts and wagons, and before them, Native Americans, and before them, bison and deer. A lot of roads in this country started out as animal treks. In its early years, the Natchez Trace was a notorious haunt for highwaymen and robbers. In 1814, Andrew Jackson marched his army along the Trace to meet the British in New Orleans during the War of 1812. You can walk along short stretches of the original Trace to get a feel for how it must have been back in the early 1800s. So, if we avoid the most popular parks, what are the alternatives? Out of the 15 least visited national parks, eight are in Alaska. Some are truly wilderness areas. Those are not places easy to access, nor are they places for the casual vacation visit. Uh, Not places for the faint of heart, you really could say. These include Glacier Bay National Park and Preserve, Kobuk Valley National Park, and Katmai. What about low-visit places in the contiguous U.S.? Some place we can get to pretty easily instead of Yellowstone or the Smokies. Well, how about Congaree National Park in South Carolina? Congaree offers trail hiking through the hardwood forest, canoeing, and during flooded times, you can walk the park on 2.4 miles of boardwalk. It's located in the low country between Charleston and Columbia, but it's closer to Columbia. Another option is the Isle Royale National Park in Michigan. This is an island with hiking, rocky shorelines, and scuba diving to view shipwrecks, kept relatively intact by the cold waters of Lake Superior, but you'll need a boat to get there. And then there's North Cascades National Park in Washington State. It's only about three hours from Seattle, but this is an alpine park that gets a lot of snow and offers a lot of views of glaciers. And on an opposite end of the spectrum and the opposite end of the country, there's Dry Tortugas National Park located in the Florida Keys, about 70 miles from Key West. It's an isolated area scattered across several islands, and you can find beaches, marine life, shipwrecks, and a historic old stone military fort from the 1800s. It's also an exceptional spot for night sky viewing, I understand. The Great Basin National Park in Nevada is located in the mountainous part of the state, situated between 5,000 feet and 13,000 feet. The park features dramatic views and diverse animal and plant life. You can find everything from fossils to springs to caves to glaciers. 
And then there's Guadalupe Mountains National Park in Texas. I went to this park last winter and I loved it. Sunrise on the rocky face of the mountain range produces the most glorious orange you've ever seen. It's just radiant. Guadalupe Mountains National Park offers tall mountains and canyons, desert terrain, even dunes. It's home to more than 80 miles of hiking trails. Four of Texas' highest peaks are there. I also witnessed quite a bit of wildlife while I was there. And while you're there in West Texas, travel a few hours south to the quirky little town of Marfa, which has somehow become an international art mecca. You'll pass by the property of Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin, where he launched the rocket that took Shatner into space. Well, I've focused on national parks so far, but how about looking at the map and picking a destination that maybe you've never considered for landscape photography or for hiking? A few years ago, I made a trip to Kansas, a state I'd never visited before, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. I stopped at a state park there with mushroom rocks amidst the rolling hills of the prairie, and I was the only person there for the length of my visit, which was several hours. Consider Kansas, Nebraska, even Wyoming away from Jackson Hole. I once went to Pipestone National Monument in Minnesota. It's a large park centered around the ancient Native American stone quarries where they collected stone for making ceremonial tobacco pipes. The quarry is interesting, but the surrounding landscape of the northern prairie also has a waterfall and several other natural features that make it a fun place to hike and a viable option for landscape photographers. Western artist George Catlin painted there in the 1830s. There is also a museum. Even popular spots can be uncrowded at the right times of year. I went to the Devil's Tower in eastern Wyoming in wintertime and found only a few cars in the parking lot. It was like having this sacred and incredibly stunning place all to myself. And even though it looks and feels like it's in the middle of nowhere, the Devil's Tower is only 80 miles from Sturgis, 74 miles from Deadwood, and 62 miles from Gillette. I enjoy shooting abandoned places and ghost towns too, so I often research the landscape and the potential for abandoned places. I recently returned from a road trip to New Mexico where I wanted to shoot some desert and mountain landscapes, but I made sure to stop at various places en route and while in the state to shoot some ghost towns. I'll talk more about this in a future episode, but planning my route to include these locations gave me a richer experience and helped me get a lot more images. I guess my point here is that every state has scenic features. State parks, lesser-known national monuments, waterfalls, or other things worth a visit for those of us who do our best to avoid crowded spots. So as you're planning your summer destinations and selecting routes for road trips, don't forget the places less traveled. The beautiful American heartland, often called flyover country, needs your tourist dollars too. And if you're coming from outside the country, I think you'll find people in the middle of the country will be really friendly and happy to meet you. And you'll go home with quirky experiences and showpiece photographs that are not the same as everyone else who stood in line at Mesa Arch. Well, happy trip planning, y'all. Regardless of where you go, or even if you go nowhere at all, I hope you get some killer shots this year. That's all I've got for this episode. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you again real soon.